Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Read with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Life is too short to read bad books, which is why I trawl through boxes and boxes of great books for terrific reads for you. And today, I'm so happy to welcome to the studio Krishna Udayasanka. Uh, she lives in Singapore, based in Singapore, uh, Indian-born. And she has come up with Asian-inspired fantasy. Her books traditionally play with myths. I mean, I really enjoyed three where we saw Sangnila Utama in the picture, brought to life through your pen, of course. And then before that, you're very well known in the Indian market because of your work with the Mahabharata. And right now, you're in the spotlight for Beast. Tell us a little bit, who is the Beast, Krishna? <laughs> well, good morning, away. Michelle, and good morning, everyone. And uh, well, I think the beast is something that uh, is an element inside each one of us, and uh, that's basically what this book tries to focus on. I mean, of course, it uses fantasy; it uses fantasy as a device, but basically, fantasy has always been a way for us to be able to question the way things are around us, whether it's social issues, whether it's interpersonal issues. I mean, right from somebody like George Orwell to somebody who writes more in science fiction realm like Ursula Le Guin, you're always questioning why things are the way they are in the real world mm. by using imaginary worlds. And I think that is uh, what I try to do in Beast, at least in terms of creating a new class of uh, humanoids who are actually wear lines. Of course, they've been shunned by the rest of humanity. So how do they then generate their own society? What is the kind of stratification that takes place? What is the kind of economic discrimination, social discrimination that takes place? And that is really what the book is about. But yeah, I know I'm making it sound too serious. So I will also it, it tell you that thriller. it's a, it's a it thriller. It's a, it's a thriller. And keep you up at night. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Krishna Udayasanka, my guest today in Read. We are reading Beast, her latest novel published by Penguin India, who have bought your entire backlog of books. Congratulations. Thank you. Have they commissioned you to write more? Yeah, I've got two more books coming out with them during the course of this year. You're a busy so. woman. <laughs> I try to be. Can you give us some heads up on what they're about? Um, so one of the books that I... Uh, which was part of the uh, entire deal that uh, we did, was um, doing a prequel to the Mahabharata series. Right. The Aryavarta series. So that is something that's been on the back burner for a while. And uh, they really wanted to sort of push that out again, you know, keep it going across both genres. So that's probably going to be coming out this year. Mm. I'm also writing, uh, well, I'm actually writing two books at the same time. So one is a crime. You're writing in stereo. <laughs> <laughs> One is a crime thriller. Okay. And the other is actually a uh, superhero thriller. I love that. Love that. Y you know, you're well known for your writing with superheroes. How do you make them relatable? All superheroes are human. I mean, they wouldn't be heroes. Or rather, let's put it this way. Humans are capable of being superheroes. I like that. Yeah. So it's not that superheroes come to us from somewhere else. It's just people who've stepped up to do something when it's required. Hmm. Okay, well, speaking of writing two books at one time, we're Money FM. So I have to ask you the money question. Do you still have your day job, Krishna, with this huge book deal from Penguin India? No, I'm now officially a struggling writer. <laughs> Inspiration for us all. Do you subscribe to Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 Hours Rule? Or I heard you accidentally got into writing. Um, I did. I mean, I, uh, as a child, it's what I wanted to do. But you know how it is. We always dismiss these things as childish uh, fantasies and... 
Um, then one fine day, I was uh, sitting at my desk working my job as a professor at university here, and I was like, I'm not sure what I'm doing anymore. Mm. And I remember coming back home, talking to my husband about it, and he was like, "Do you need a break, or do you need to seriously do something?" No, not a break. This is serious, and it just happened. So it grew out of discontent, or it grew out of a need to write. A mix of both, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Oh. Um, yeah. Very interesting. So in Beast, if we go back to the novel that we're talking about today in Reed with Krishna Udayasanka, the, the woman whose pen powers Beast, uh, you talk about exclusion, social classes. Uh, you take us to the gritty underbelly of Mumbai. Is Mumbai a character in this novel? Oh, very much so. I think, you know, you can't uh, write a story like this without the city popping itself up in lots of uh, quirky little ways. Um whether it's whether you're going into the prostitution dens, whether you are actually coasting along the uh, sea, sea, uh, sea face. I think the city really adds to what goes on in the book. I don't think I could have said it anywhere else. Yeah, couldn't be done here, huh? I've been planning to do that. Ah, oh, scoop time. That's great. <laughs> My editor has been asking me for a sequel and I'm just wondering three. whether... To Beast, oh, in to fact. Oh, to Beast, okay. And so I, you know, seriously considering setting it in Singapore. Fantastic. Most of your stories, like with Sangnila Utama, rested on the scaffolding of myth. Mm. Beast does not, right? Is it a departure? No, no. I mean, it takes myth to the extent that myth is part of Asian culture. So obviously, when you talk about, hey, where did whale lions come from? They obviously have their own set of beliefs of where they came from. The way, you know, we have human myths of where we descended from, whether it's Adam and Eve or Brahma created us. The whale lions have their own mythology of where they came from. So to that extent, the cultural influence is there. But it is very much an urban fantasy book. It has uh, nothing to do with mythology. Nothing. And when we say it's Asian culture inspired, give us a sense of how those motifs are in the book. Well, first of all, the lion. I mean, we've we've been, uh, we know werewolves are sexy. We've been seeing uh, stuff on that, on, whether it's on TV, on the big screen. And we're very familiar with that. But when you try to even just take that trope, it doesn't translate completely well into the Asian context because our perception of wolves, werewolves, yeah, a Western concept, very sexy. Wolves, locally animals, no, not so inspiring in that sense. So the sort of value attachments we make based on our cultures to even how we view the creature, how we believe whether it must be good or bad. Is it capable of good in the first place? I think all of these things, if you're going to reflect on the society and the human condition of the area, you need to have the context set in the area in a relatable way. So people come to fantasy, I think, also because they're curious about what the world could look like. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, whether it was Ray Kurtz or Ursula Le Guin, people are fascinated by their seeming prescience. Mm -hmm. So tell us about this world that you're foreseeing and what could the future look like? It's, in fact, very much the present. It's just a slightly alternative present. And um, I would would actually call this book soft sci-fi in the sense that I have a tendency to want to try and find a possible explanation for things instead of just saying, hey, they exist. Right. When I did research into that, I realized that, you know, when you talk about hominids, human beings, Homo sapiens wasn't the only one or the product of evolution. We're the ones who just basically got rid of the rest. Out of five different species, yeah. And they're discovering more new ones every day as they discover more fossils. So it's like, we're just the one who 
you know, managed to trump over everybody else and uh, we're here today. So, but what if you did have a hominid species that has remained in hiding all these years because for their own survival, as well as the fact that they're very powerful, and if humans, other humans who have a tendency to get rid of whatever threatens them, homo sapiens would just eradicate them if they found out they even exist. Fascinating. You know, people come to books for entertainment and to escape as well. I often ask writers, does the world of the book become more real to you than the real world when you're writing? Give us a sense of your process. Always, always. I mean, that, that, that's what makes it so much fun. I get to live in all these other worlds that I uh, write about and, uh, you know, hang out with cool characters and do crazy stuff like car chases, gunfights in high-rise buildings. And there's actually a very action-packed book. Yeah. Do you find crime a good scaffolding to hang your story on because it keeps a reader interested and engaged? Oh, yeah. The whodunit element is always there. Then, But, but then I think with a story like this, you've got to, the whodunit is something that you've probably figured out in the first one third then you have to go into the why done it and how done it ah okay i like that so i think that's that's what brings out the context of the story that's rich that's uh that's deep so when we last talked i think it was you were talking about three sangila otama then of course i followed your career and there was news that you were going to write a book about uh, the buddha Mm -hmm. uh, looking at his history how's that coming along not it's not coming along So, in in fact, Beast is what I delivered to Penguin instead of the Buddha book. I know they're like completely worlds apart. Mm. But I think the story chooses you to write itself. So, I don't know whether it's not the time for me to do the Buddha book or I'm just not the right person to do that book. It wasn't coming through me. Maybe, well, maybe it's someone else's job because they're going to do a better job of it. So That's so fascinating that you might crystallize a topic in an area that you're interested in, but feel the book just doesn't come through. I junked 60,000 words when I gave up on that book. Oh, wow. That's a lot of words. That's three years of work <laughs> oh, and 60,000 words. Now I know why you have to quit your day job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, advice for writers, would-be writers out there that might be working in a bank, might be teaching as you were lecturing here in Singapore mm-hmm. and thinking, yeah, I want to make this change where do I start? How does it happen? How do I get a book deal? Oh, there's always a tough one to answer. I know it's very interesting and it's very motivating to have a book deal before you even begin writing. But if you want to be a happy writer, just make sure you're happy writing. Mm. It's got to be what you want to do because you are in love with it. Yes, it hurts. Yes, sometimes it's super frustrating. And there are days when I tear my hair out and I'm like, I'm never going to write another word again. And trust me, that happens to all of us. Yeah, especially me when I, I see my checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> See, you, you need to be signing books instead of signing checks. <laughs> you are right. You are right. I agree. Where's my book deal, Penguin? Um, 9.27 on the clock. Beast by Krishna Udayasanka is what we're talking about. Evolutionary uh, science. Did you have to do some research there? What kind of a writer are you? I mean, do you use research as a jumping off point? The science behind it. Yes, I do a lot of reading up. I mean, and uh, I will admit with this particular book or whenever I uh, venture out of, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a science background. My background is in business and law. So whenever I venture into anything that has a scientific basis, I, I actually get very scared. And then I have to go around asking people, can you like beta read these bits for me? Can you, can you just make sure the science behind it is valid? I agree it's a leap of faith, but is it still valid? You ask like, like scientific specialists for yes, this? Yes, I'll usually, um, this thing. And, and in this particular book, I think what was very gratifying was a geneticist re- reached out to me after reading the book. Mm. And they said, you know, I, they, not only did they enjoy it, they haven't read something so sensible in fiction in a while. And I was like, 
Okay. That right. is high praise for a fantasy novel. Indeed. I yes. was like, okay, fine. I, 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 I think my heart rate sort of came down a little bit after that because that was in the first couple of weeks after the book release and I was terrified of... Do you read the genre that you're writing in? So... Yes and Asian no. Inspired sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, yes and no. In general, usually when I'm writing, like when I'm really into the process, I stop reading altogether. Really? Yeah. Or I'll read something completely different because the two things that happen. One is I read something, I don't like it, and I get very horrified that, oh my God, you know. You read something of other person's? Yes, which and, I and don't like, so and then I get very depressed. More often, I read something that is gloriously written, yes. and I go into extreme self-doubt where I'm like, I will never write like this. I will never be this good. So you know what? Let me just give it all up and go look for a job and, you know. I'm so glad you put those emotions aside and keep churning out the books. Then, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for being so honest and candid with us here on Read. I'm Michelle Martin chatting today with Krishna Udayasanka, who's given the world the new novel Beast. Krishna, thank you. Thank you, Michelle. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.